Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody, welcome back to the Believe in Temple Football podcast. I'm John DeCarlo of AlScoop.com, and with me again, of course, is former Temple quarterback, former Temple assistant coach, Western Pennsylvania legend, back in his uh, stomping grounds, Adam DeMichael. Adam, what's going on, man? Hey, John, man. I'm doing well, man. I just uh, well, I tried to help my wife put the kids to bed a little bit, and now I'm uh, anxious to get started with you and uh, our uh, first guest on the Believe podcast, the one and only Philip Walker. So I'm excited about that, John. PJ, are you going by you for a while? You were going by Philip, and now you're back to PJ. Like, what what should we be calling you? Is it PJ or Philip now? It's PJ. Yeah, man. He, PJ John, he sure. can't keep. He can't keep changing I, I his went, name, man. I went. I went. I went to Philip for a reason when I was a senior in college. It was a reason behind all of it. What was that? <laughs> what was, was the that, reason? Um, it was pretty much to <laughs> no one knew me as Philip around right. the city of Philadelphia. So like, right. I made like a, a left turn in Philly one day. I was leaving my girl crib. I was like, I made a left turn one day. And uh, I made the turn, but the, a cop was there. I guess he pulled, he, when he pulled me over, he had no idea who I was. And when I told him who I was, and when he realized who I was, like five cop cars pulled up behind me first of all. I was just confused. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. Jeez. But then I told him who I was, it was more so like, Oh, we didn't know. So I'm like, all right, so if y'all know who PJ is, maybe y'all don't need five cop cars to come and <laughs> as a as a group. It was just me by myself. I was confused. I was just like, what's going on? So then ever since then I was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and have a name that everyone else knows besides, you know what I mean? So everyone right. know me as PJ, so I'm gonna just go by that. Now it's back to Back to PJ Walker, the the, the quarterback yeah. that we know that was uh, one of the best to ever play at Temple, and of course PJ is uh, playing for the Carolina Panthers now. Got some time against the Giants last week. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, PJ, before I get out of the way here and let let two former Temple quarterbacks talk and entertain our listeners here, I, I wanted to have you start off by talking about your relationship with Adam and you know what what he's meant to you and uh, just yeah. the time that you guys got to spend. Uh, together because again there's there's a good history there and and both of you mm -hmm. guys really did so much to really move the needle to to where the program is today and people really resonate with you guys when your name comes up when your when Adam's name comes up but what what did Adam mean for you in your career and what was your working relationship like uh he pretty much showed me the way you know that first year was just like literally showing me how to become a college a college football quarterback and uh, me being 18 and me getting me knowing at some point during that season I probably will play um I didn't think early in the year because you know once I once I realized I didn't win a job coming out of coming out of training camp it was more so like I get the red shirt I get to learn I get to spend time with Adam and learn how to play this game you know learn about learn 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 more concepts and things like that that I didn't really have a clue about you know so once I really Started playing, man, AD, just we full head of steam, and it was just all work. You know, I used to come in there, we used to watch film together, uh, tons of film, you know, go over the game plan together, all those different things just to help me be prepared for Saturday, you know. So when it, when it, when it, when 
Well, now I give I give a lot of credit to him for that first year for the for the most part because if it wasn't for him, I probably would never have had the success I had just because I didn't know what to expect, and he he gave me the the keys to understand what I needed to expect going in uh going into that year. It's interesting, though, because I uh he said half the things, half the success, but I remember he he left a hat. He did leave a hat one time in my office, and he left me a sticky note. On my office, and I still got the sticky note. Do you remember what it said, P, or no? I, I think I, if I if you would have told me this earlier today, I probably would remember. <laughs> but I probably I don't remember right he now. He said, "John, listeners." He said, "Thanks for teaching me all that I know." Signed, PJ. <laughs> and he ain't gonna be coming out here saying half the stuff on on the podcast, listeners, <laughs> and then writing a note sign that says all that I know. So Adam's, Adam's, John, got, he, he, Adam's got receipts. I got receipts, man. I'm 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 making sure he knows. And but uh, again, man. It's interesting that, um, you know, he said some of the things that brings back memories of, you know, being at Penn State at the hotel and us having, you know, dinner and snacking and getting the call sheet out. And I always like to, you know, visualize things, John, like, hey, PJ, all right, here's wristband 33, left hash, you know what I mean, trips right, 66 show, ex-cop, you know what I mean? And, like, he would walk through the footwork, and then he would, I would say, you know, one high man, he would tell me what he has to do and go through the footwork, or two high, you know what I mean? Here comes a corner crash. What are you doing? Pressure this. And like we would go through every single call on the sheet. So when he's talking about those things, it brings me back to that game. It brings me back to some of those hotel uh, memories that we had. And that brings me back to like that first game that I think he threw that touchdown versus Vanderbilt after that rain delay to uh, mm. who was it? The shipping? Shit. Yeah, it's a shipping. Ship. And then he took it for 45 when you know, we beat Four, the SEC yeah. team. And there's some of those memories that just come back and it's like, man, I mean, it feels like yesterday, but at the same time, now, we, now we're sitting here talking to PJ who's. You know what I mean? An, an NFL vet, so to speak, and a guy who's, you know, got, you know, has a fiance now and, you know, making big moves. Yeah, so congratulations. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, so it. Exciting. Hey, P, I'm going to hop right into it, man. I'm going to let the listeners get some information and, you know what I mean, get you out and let you go take that garbage out with the frogs in the backyard. <laughs> um, obviously, you <laughs> I, know I mean, you I and I spent, we spent a lot of time together at Temple and, you know, we've been obviously yeah. in touch throughout this process. I've seen the really good, you know, Notre Dame coming to town. I've seen I've seen some bad, you know what I mean? We, we've struggled a little bit of time. But um, there's a lot of stories of, like, under-recruited yeah. quarterback. You know, the Josh Allens of the world who went to Wyoming. The um, you coming to Temple is, you know what I mean? So it's like, how does someone like you from, you know, Elizabeth, New Jersey, kind of get overlooked in the recruiting process? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what was it like for you? Um, It was – I honestly it was it was different for me because I I was more so I was trying to go somewhere and play quarterback and uh not every school I had offers for wanted me to play that position you know I had um my first offer was like JMU coming out of high school it was like my sophomore year and they wanted me to play quarterback but then I also got the uh, offer from Temple that was like my second or third offer I believe and uh, they wanted me to play quarterback. Then I started to get, like, other offers. And I got the UConn offer. Then I, So when I started to get – once you get one offer, you're probably going to get another three or four to just start rolling in. And uh, once I got that one, a couple just started rolling in. But the one that I really wanted was from Rutgers. And, you know, I really wanted to play at Rutgers, really wanted to stay home for the most part. And uh, they wanted me to be an athlete. So I, I go there. I play – my junior year there at Rutgers, played a state championship game, uh, threw for like 340, 350, uh, three touchdown passes, rush for one, but they were still off me as an athlete. And I just didn't see the reason behind it. So I'm like, I'm going to go down the road. I'm For the most part, I'm, like, I'm going to go down the road. And Coach Rule then 
giving me the opportunity to like go in there and compete as a, a freshman. You know, that was the one of the biggest things that I've 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 heard as like when I was getting recruited was like, yo, you're gonna have a chance to come in here and play as a freshman. I mean, mm -hmm. after playing four years of high school football, being a starter, that's the best thing you can hear is that you're going to get a chance to come in and play and compete. Um, I, I got a Nebraska offer in high school, and they they wanted me to sit two or three years. Mm. So that's one thing I wasn't going to do. Um, I wasn't going to sit there. And after I've been playing all these games, it's tough. You know, I tell people a lot, of, a lot and I feel like I'm struggling with it now, you know, being a, a backup quarterback because it's tough. You know, it's hard to go out there and – in games when you ain't the guy and you're not in the rhythm, you know, yeah. and uh, it's tough, but a lot of people can deal with it. And me never being in that situation, you know, from younger to older, you just have to learn how to adjust and learn how to adapt. And I'm still working on it. I know, I know I'm, I'm going to get, continue to get better at, you know, adjusting mm -hmm. to this, to this, to the, to the um, situation that I'm in now. So that's, that's the best part about it. But overall, the recruitment process was different for me because I didn't get an opportunity to go to all my five uh, yeah. official visits. I just took one visit. Yeah. Nobody don't really even know that. I took one visit and it was to Temple. <laughs> and that was my only visit I needed. You know, I didn't, I didn't have much. So I give me an opportunity to go play Division One football, I'll be yeah. there. So that yeah, was my it's mindset. Been, it's been interesting. I'm just kind of leading to my next couple of questions. Like, like when I watched your highlight tape, when, you know, Coach Rule brought me in and Frank got me on the phone with you right outside of EO. I remember like it was yesterday. I'm like, I watched your highlight tape and it was like, it was elite. Like you're jumping over guys, you know, and you're leading them down to like a 60 yard touchdown on a state championship and playing with Jihad. And then you just talked about, you know, you being a backup quarterback in the NFL. Like, tell me a little bit about what goes into that day-to-day, uh, -day, you know, basis, the preparation, the grind, that like yeah. one play away model because in college, for you know, you you played all four years essentially, and you you know, you, yep. you know you tore it up, and and you get to the next level, and it's like, all right, now I'm not the guy, like you said. I know I've been there too, you know what I mean. Obviously not at the level that you're at, but it's different, you know what I mean. It's like, hey, maybe I won't play this week, so I'm gonna go yeah. hang out a little bit longer, not spend enough time on tape. So, you know, what's the what's your like, you know, day to day basis? Like, what do you do to kind of? I wouldn't even say I wouldn't even game? say I wouldn't even say this process was humbling for me because. uh I didn't think I was going to get an opportunity to play in the NFL. So, and me and you had this conversation, AD, like, before, once my senior season was over, it was like, I didn't get all the agents and everybody else like that to hit me up and try to, you know, so for me, it was tough. It was just like, all right, am I even going to get a chance to go play in the league? And do I need to be getting ready to go play in Canada somewhere? That's what my mindset was, like, throughout this whole process. It was like, do I need to go play in the Canada? Do I need to go get ready to go play in Canada? Mm -hmm. um, I remember. So that was really, that was really like, for me, it was just like, I don't think I'm even playing the league. And I didn't get invited to no senior bowls. I think I got invited to the Tropicana Bowl. And I told AD about that. I was like, what is this? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is this? Like, what is the Tropicana Bowl? Like, not I, think you had to pay. I think you had to pay to go to that bowl. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I would have had to pay to go to the game. Like, which <laughs> is crazy. You know, I've been yeah. a four year starter, 70, 74 touchdown passes. It was just like, did I, I mean, not do day, enough like, throughout that? Yeah, your pro day was, you know, I was obviously right behind you. I'm watching you go through mm -hmm. your script and stuff. Like, it was elite. It was just like, it felt like to me, the same thing that happened to you coming out of high school yeah. and the college recruiting happened at the professional level. And then again, man, it just shows you, like, when you figured it out and whenever you, you know, you put the time in, and now you are where you are. So it's like, yeah, 
I mean, and like now we're talking to this next question. Like, you're from Elizabeth, New Jersey, and I know you talk about it all the time. Every time I go from used to go from Temple to New York to my to my wife's place, I go by Elizabeth. And I'm like every time I'm like PJ, Muhammad Wilkerson, you know, Jihad Thomas, yeah. and like it, it it was cool. And you got to to college, and obviously we know there was a, an adjustment for you, man. The speed was different. Mm-hmm. We were talking like, you know, Coach Sat, who's obviously the OC down at. South crazy. Carolina now, yeah. he was from Carolina. That guy's crazy, but he's he's extremely but, smart. What, what what people don't realize, they did. I ran more in my first year in college football than I ever ran in my career. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I ran, just oh, trying yeah. to figure it I mean, out though. Yeah. I was trying to figure it out. I wasn't a runner. Uh, oh yeah, but you. I mean, like I talk to people all the time. Like AD, you weren't fast. I know, but when a big dude is chasing me, guess what? I'm faster. You, I think you were the same way. Like I remember vividly, like that long touchdown versus SMU down at their place. We scored like. I don't know, 56 or something, you caught a couple running touchdowns, but you're right. Yeah. But like the speed from high school to college was different. But like how how what has been the biggest transition for you? I know I know you've been out of the you've already been into the NFL for a little while now, but what has that transition been like from college for our listeners? Maybe some former players or some guys that are playing it's, right now. What's that transition it's still the been speed. like? It's still the speed. Um it's still the speed and it's more so, I mean, we we ran a pro style system in college. So the game plan and everything, if you're a college guy, you're only getting a handful of plays a game, you'll struggle with getting that NFL game plan system. You know, that's one thing I would say that's different. The game plan is a lot more, way more different because it's just, it's a lot more. Like, it's just five plays on third, third and three to two, mm-hmm. five plays on third and four to six, five plays on third and seven to ten. And it's like, that's 20, that's 20 plays right there that you just got. Just for third downs, then you got a whole nother set of plays for red zone, and like, then you got your base first, second down. So all of those things, I think, I think the NFL is more mental than physical because a lot of guys is is fast. A lot of guys, you wouldn't be, uh, you wouldn't have an opportunity to come play in this league if you wasn't fast, if you wasn't physical. Mm-hmm. So how men, how mentally advanced you are, I would say, will help you in the in the NFL. I think. Now that I've been around Andrew, Jacoby, I've been around a good group of guys. Scott Tozan as well. He's in Dallas now coaching. Uh, having a room like that when I was in Indy helped me early because mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know much about, like, different things. Like, I killed OTAs my first year in Indy. Like, I had a, I had a hell of OTAs, but I was only seeing man-to-man coverage. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, like, that was – that's me just picking them apart, picking apart man-to-man. We get to the preseason, things start to slow down. You get more zone coverages. You get more man. You get you get zone, but you also get a mixture of man. And teams start to do different things. And one thing I would tell a lot of young guys that come in into the NFL, study film going into that preseason. Me, you and you 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 get in the mix of camp. It's training camp still, mm-hmm. so you get in that rhythm. I'm in training camp. I don't have time to watch film on other other opponent. Right. We're not gonna practice against the you're not gonna practice against uh you're not gonna practice yeah. scout reps against these yeah, you're not gonna practice scout reps against these guys that you're about to play against. So right. take every rep that you need on your iPad to see the to, to see the film. Like you need to see what these guys are gonna play. You need to go back to see what this D coordinator do did in, in previous years in the preseason. Right. So that's what that's something I do now. But I didn't learn that three, four years ago. Like I right. had to sit there and learn that from being around Jacoby, I had to see how he prepared that that second year when he was in Indy going into that preseason, you know? So I just mm-hmm. I just had to figure it out. And yeah. figuring it out was one thing I felt like I can do. And 
you know, once I figured it out, it's still fast to me, but once I'm in a rhythm of the football game, I'm I'm fine. It's like it's like playing playing college and high school football all over again for me. Right, right. It makes sense. Like I was listening to that uh you were on Monday Night Football, the, the Manning brothers, Eli and Peyton are talking. Mm-hmm. They had, you know, Tom Brady and Sue Bird and Marshawn Lynch and Drew Brees and like they're talking about like what do you as quarterbacks, you know, evaluate yourself on? I don't know if you heard what he said, like I think me and you actually talked about it the other day because you, you went into the game the other day. Um, in the fourth quarter, you guys were down. and Obviously, you had to throw every down and try to get back into it. But, like, Drew Brees was my favorite quarterback to watch, my favorite guy to I kind of yeah. emulate. Short quarterbacks, I know you kind of feel the same way. You got some Russell Wilson to you and whatnot. But kind of he said you evaluate yourself on your decision-making. So, like, if you're going to the right place, if you're seeing things the right way, and you're, you know what I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're not forcing things down the field when you don't have to, you know, but he said yeah. you evaluate yourself when you on your decision making. Do you think that's is that something that you, you know, also uh, that's, evaluate yourself that's, on? That's a big part. Of that's it? major. That's something I think. No matter if I miss a throw or not, like I would, I didn't play to the to the standard I wanted to play last Sunday. Like I missed a a ton of throws, but I was all the ball was supposed to go to the right guy every time. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's me. I know I can fix that. So I can fix that in the like I can make all those throws in my hospital, mm-hmm. you know. But also, just me knowing that I'm there, I know I got these throws, and I know I can make these throws. As long as I know where I need that, this ball needed to go to this comeback, or this ball needed to go to this shallow, my confidence level is still good because it's just like I'm putting the ball in the right place. I'm just not getting. It. I'm just not being accurate right now. Right. So yeah. all that's gonna come as the game just go. I think mm-hmm. you know as the game flows on. And as you just get into a good rhythm, like, that's one thing I feel as though I'm one of them guys who has to play in rhythm. I'm not going to sit there and uh, be trying to create a lot of plays. If I, I can't create plays, but I'm, I like to play in rhythm. I like to, I like to throw the football. And I, and I tell people that a lot. A lot. Like, everybody tell me, like, a lot of my family and friends, I need to run the ball. I'm like, I mean, if y'all not in my situation, you know, so don't tell me I need to run the ball when I know I can run the ball. But I also am an unselfish player who like to get my guys around me the football. You know, um, that's that's rude. That's number one. That's that's the position I play. I want to get everybody else the ball around me because it, it does no good for me to have 100 rushing yards, to be honest with you. It does good for mm-hmm. the receivers to get 100 receiving yards, though. So right. I could care less about me rushing 400 yards than before my receiver have 100 yards receiving. So I like to throw the football, and that's my mindset is if I'm – like you said, going back to uh, knowing where you need to go with the football. If I need, to, if I know I need to go with the football, I'm I'm fine with everything that I, how I played and how everything happened. Mm-hmm. EJ, you you talked about that rhythm, and I know that guys will say like, "Hey, I have to prepare like I'm the starter." You hear guys say that all the time, but you go into the game last week, and you guys are you know you start off three and zero. And you've lost three in a row, and then Matt says or whoever tells you, "Hey, you're going in the game." I imagine even if for as much as you prepare, if you're talking about rhythm, it's I, I imagine it's got to be tough. Like, could you tell tell fans and listeners what it's like to go into an NFL game? I don't want to say cold because you're prepared and say, "All right, we need a spark." I think Matt said, and you've you've heard him say, "But we need a spark." You go in there. What is it like? What's that mentality like when you are now going into an NFL game and you have to try to light that spark? When you're when you're a, a rhythm based quarterback, I imagine it's got to be tough. Yeah, it's tough, um, but it's your job at the end of the right. day. You know that's 
no complaints about it and mm -hmm. it's really a job and you mm -hmm. have to get it done you know this is a this is a uh i want to say a a productivity based business like mm -hmm. you have to be productive in this league in order to stick in this league and if you're not productive then they'll find somebody else to do it you know so for me it's not making an excuse of i wasn't prepared or i wasn't that was cold. So I just, I don't want to make those excuses. I, I literally, like, it's tough. But but that's the job that we, as the other 32 backup quarterbacks in the NFL, that's the job that we hold. Like, that's the that's our job. It's to go out there when a number is called, no matter the circumstances, to make these throws, make these plays. You know, that's, that's just it. Like, we have to make those plays. And uh, it's tough, but... We 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 got a saying. I'm sure it's, it's across the NFL. Do your job, and that's all you can do. You know, do your job and do it to the best of your ability. That's a uh, that's a Matt Rule special right there. If I ever seen one, I know you guys got T-shirts that say "Do your job." There's no doubt in my mind. Someone has a T-shirt that says "Do your job." Or, we don't. Uh, we don't it's actually. Got <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's somewhere. It's, it's it's mentioned in the team meeting. There's no doubt. Bro. <laughs> hey, um, I got a. Uh, I got a couple more, but it's a mailbag question, man. A first one from uh, Drew on Twitter, man. He wants to know, he said, this is about your XFL days. The XFL Good season days. was canceled on a March 20th, bro, and then um, you signed with Carolina five days later. I know we had some conversations in that window with some teams that you were interested in and whatnot, but, like, was that something that was in the works throughout your XFL season? Like, were you able to talk to, 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 to teams, the NFL, to, to Carolina, or was it, like, divine intervention? So how has it, just one more thing, how has it impacted your path? How has the XFL impacted your path to the NFL now? Yeah, so uh, during the XFL process, I didn't get to speak with no teams, no NFL teams at all. Um, it was crazy, but it was like being in college all over again and having to, uh, you know, we couldn't speak to scouts when we was, you know, when we was in school. So it was like, all right, let's see what happens when, when it happens, when the time comes. But um, I had an idea. I was, I was getting, I was getting, I was hearing noise from like my agent and things like that. And that's the difference between being in college and in, in the XFL. You got an agent in college that you can hear stuff from. He's reaching out to guys and stuff, just small stuff like that. But for me, it was just like, do I really want to go somewhere uh, where I would have to not? I want to say not redefine myself because after I played in the XFL, um, I'm sure everybody see me play and everybody knows that I can play. I can play the game productively. I can lead the guys. I can be a starter. And, you know, so for me, it was just like, all right, if I get this opportunity here in the XFL, take advantage of it, I'll be okay. And then once those, once the season ended in March, it was tough because it was like, we was five and zero. Um, we was rolling, and yeah, we was like, roll, man. MVP we was rolling. MVP <laughs> bro. We was rolling. It was to the point where it was like, we can, we can, we can go eleven and zero in this league, and uh, that was really my main goal. Like it was one win at a time, but it was really to go undefeated. Like I wanted to be an undefeated quarterback as a professional. Like, whether it's the NFL, XFL, CFL, being an undefeated quarterback on an undefeated team that wins gets you and your guys around you a lot of, a lot of opportunity, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
And that's something I learned being in college. The more games we won, the more scouts you've seen rolling through the building, through the building. Right. So Absolutely. that's something I, I just learned it. And I used to tell guys on my team all the time, if we want to go back to the league, we have to play good. Like, we have to be productive. We have to win games. Like, I don't care if we win by two or one. Like, we win. A win is a win. Like, somebody's going to be out there watching us. Like, oh, how they how they do? Like, they won this game. How did they do? You know, so that was that's what my mindset always been ever since I've been in college. Like, how do I try to lead guys into winning? You know, because winning gets everyone exposure. Yeah, I mean, you, that, that, that's n- nothing more evident than, you know, our, our your final year at Temple, you know what I mean, with, with that mm-hmm. team that you guys had there and those senior leadership. So, I mean, I know you guys got a lot of Temple alum and Temple coach staff on the Panthers. How cool is that, man, to see that many guys on your team as teammates and then just throughout the league, you know, you're playing against yeah. guys, you know what I mean, that are Temple alum and then guys that you graduated with or roommates with or used to hang out with and, you know, grind and bleed with and fight with yeah. in the locker room. I mean, how cool is that? It's crazy, man. I I was telling somebody in our locker room, like, three of the guys I lived with, like, in my house in college – is here that played with the Panthers. Like, mm-hmm. not three guys that I went to school with. Three guys that I literally lived with. I lived with Haas and Champ when we lived in the house when we finally got off campus. I lived with those two guys, both of them. And, like, all three of us is here. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So that's it's just crazy to, to, to see these guys every day. It's fun. And to see the coaching staff, just to feel the joy, the, 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 the excitement. You know what they you you know the expectations they they have for you know for the team you know the standard you know the standards that's set so for me it's just to go out there and not not let up you know um, yeah. not get comfortable you know it's easy to get comfortable when you're around people that you know there's um, no doubt I agree with that you know so for me it's always I be locked in laser focus you know uh, just trying to make everybody better around me you know if. I'm responsible for running the scout team defense. I'm a scout team offense versus the scout team versus the starters on defense. Like my job is to make to give the defense the best look that I can give them for that week. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna let up on that, you know. So yeah. I'm gonna make those reps my game reps. Those are my actual reps. I'll take the game plan that we got for us and put that in my style for uh, during the scout periods. Like I'll make right. that our offense. So yeah, I mean, that's, me, this just helps. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, I think, at the end of the day, that's what being a professional is about, man. I mean, whatever rep you get, you handle them the right way. And, you yeah. know, you find a way to get better daily. I know we talk about that all the time. So I got one more good question for you. And then I know John got a question for you too. Um, Just like John asked me, you know, on the last episode and, you know, he told the listeners, like, you know, what's my motivation? Like, why do you do what you do every day, man? Like, You've been yeah. at the highest of the high, and you know what I mean. You've you've been cut a ton of times. You fought back, and you grinded to get where you are in the XFL on Sports Center, dang there every week. And now you know you signed the NFL. And, you know, now you earned the backup quarterback job, and you're you know you're ready to rock and roll if your number's called. Like, why do you fight yeah. daily, man? Like, what is your motivation? Um, I, a lot of people say their parents. A lot of people say their mom. You know, my mom's fine. My mom's my mom been working the same job for the past twenty some years. So, like, I don't. I don't do this to make her happy. Like literally, I don't do this to make her happy. I don't do this to make my dad happy. I don't I do this literally for me. And when it comes down to my mother don't care if I'm out here playing football, to be honest. She just wants me to be productive. She wants me to be successful at the end of the day. Uh but my why is literally 
I've been cut 12 times in one season. Mm-hmm. And that's my why. I don't want to go back to that. I was in a – like, my third year going into the league, I got released from Indy uh, and literally watched the whole 2019 season from my couch. Like, I don't – I didn't want that feeling again. That was one of those feelings you just be like, I can't I, – I don't, I don't like that. You know, that's not, that's not who I am. And especially when you see guys out there, you know you can be – you know you can be productive. You know you can play. You know you can help somebody, help a team somehow, some way at the end of the day, you know. Um, that was my mindset. Just try to help. I know I can help somebody else. I know I can help a team. And uh, I don't want this feeling no more. That was really it. Like, I can't have – I ain't like the feeling of just sitting home and the other guys out there playing and I was still 24, 25 years old. TJ, I think it was like a day or two before you guys played the Eagles – uh, my buddy E.J. Smith at the Philadelphia Inquirer put together this really cool story, and he talked about, you know, obviously, the, the Temple connections down there. And, yeah. and Colin, who you know, Colin Thompson, can always tell a good story and always think yeah. his way through something. And he said, he's like, you know, we talk sometimes about how maybe a lot of us would not be here if it wasn't for Keith Kirkwood and it wasn't for that, that drive against UCF because again obviously a lot of people talk about the the magic of the 2015 season and beating Penn State Mm -hmm. filling the link at Notre Dame and being that that close to beating them but then there's that drive at UCF uh kind of a two-part question for you but I know that you guys will say during the year you can't really maybe reminisce a ton but you know I think Colin was saying it in that story Foley was saying it too Ed Foley what is it like? I know you said you can, you guys were just saying you can get comfortable, you can get too comfortable being around a bunch of people you know, but are there times where you guys are just walking around, whether it's you and Robbie, you and Ed Foley, all the coaches, and just say, man, we're, how cool is this that we, we built something, we helped build something at Temple, and now we're trying to rebuild something here with, with the Panthers. Do you ever just walk around saying, like, this is, this is pretty cool, like that we're all here together again? Yeah, I usually start off, I usually, me and early in the year last year we would always really talk about it and like talk about how cool it is to all be here and things like that but like I always joke around with Foley like it's like we really blessed to be in the position we are in right now and like let's not take it for granted you know I've been in I've been in other locker rooms and let's not take it for granted like it can it can end quick like let's really let's really enjoy it let's enjoy the fact that we got we 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 here right now like this is five and six for us. Like we did four years together. Like this is five and six right here. So like, I'm I'm appreciative of those years that I'm getting with these guys because I I I never would have thought I would get the opportunity to be playing for these guys again. You know, so to even get this opportunity, it's everything. It means the world to me. You know, so for for I'm sure a lot of guys and a lot of coaches that look at it the same way as it's crazy that we could. We trying to build something here as well. You know, that twenty that twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen season was two seasons that we thought uh we thought we we had some of the best football players in a mm-hmm. in the program those two years, you know. So with the with the good defensive line we had, the good defense we had in general, we had some core guys on offense that just crazy, all our defensive guys got drafted. Nobody on offense really was ever drafted, which is mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. But I understood it. Our defense was always top five in the country, <laughs> like mm-hmm. those last two years. Like, and that's that's a, that's equivalent to what I was saying earlier about a lot of guys uh, being being successful all on the team. Like, if you if you're playing good football, if you're winning as a team, 
is going to show. And a lot of guys is going to have success, and a lot of guys is going to go other places elsewhere, you know, once college is over. As a defense, we had a group that was top five for them two years. You just saw guys left and right getting drafted, you know, and that, and that just shows the character of that, of that team for real. I thought, um, and that's, I thought that's what we built it around. We built it around our defense and we just kept playing tough football. And that was a mindset we carried. I had two more quick ones for you. And again, we really appreciate your time. Um, you guys, the Panthers, the Panthers are three and four, the Temple's three and four. I don't know how much you get to follow them, but what are your thoughts on the struggles they've gone through? And, and if you were, you know, if you got the chance to talk to them, what would you tell? I mean, obviously it doesn't all come down to the quarterback. The defense, unfortunately, got, got gutted last yeah. week against USF. But what, what are your thoughts on what you're seeing? And what would you tell What would you tell a guy like Dewan Mathis in his position now when there's a lot of focus on him? You know, again, what it's like to have the focus on you as the quarterback. What, what yeah. do you see when you look at this team? And what would you tell Dewan now? Um, This team in general, I would tell them at the, at the end of the day, like, you got a lot of football left. Uh, all it takes is one run to get on, you know, one, one run to go on. And for, for, for me, it was after the Army game, which is week one of the, of, of the, se the season right. my senior year. That was, re that was week one. We lost. I didn't go back home. I went straight to the facility. Mm -hmm. Like, not a lot of people know that. I went straight to the facility. I just sat in my locker. I was like, I was thrown off about the whole situation because it was like senior year. All you kept hearing on training camp, we were going undefeated, going undefeated, going undefeated, going undefeated. You know, we had guys like Avery Williams who would just continuously tell us, we got the guys that go undefeated. Like, mm -hmm. and that was the mindset our guys had. Mm -hmm. And until we lost the Army, you just felt the, def the deflate in the team. Just, just felt the team just go down. And like, everybody was, like, sad. Everybody was sick. Because you just had un being undefeated in the back of their mind. And, when you when when you get hit, you get got punched, and it was like, hey, we 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 wasn't expecting this. Like for me, it was just a just reset, just reset, get the group back together, get some of the older guys, have a talk with them, and let them know like it's a long year. Like, we're probably gonna lose it. We're probably gonna lose another game, guys. Like it's okay like, as long as we don't lose the games that matter. At the end of the day, you know, if we can win the games that matter, we'll be fine. We got through like we we started off the year before seven and zero. So when you start off seven and zero, you like all right, it's time to, to really to really be the best Temple football team that there is, and all. So that's that was the that was the expectation. Mm -hmm. And then early in the year, the expectation got shot down then right. to Army, and we had to find a way to 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 go on and overcome those obstacles. You know, so for us, I would tell that to this team right now, like. It's okay. Like it's three and four. What is it? Twelve games in a year. Mm -hmm. like, you got four games left. You can still turn it around at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You know. So you go ahead. You win four. You win four out of these. You got. You win. You win. You win these next four. You're sitting in a good spot. You know. So regardless, don't don't sit there and think you're not in a good spot. We we had. We it used to be to a point where we was hoping USF would lose a game, and then it'd be like. We didn't want that, so we secured right. it by winning our games. Mm -hmm. Like we needed to, we knew after we beat UCF that year, we just needed to win out because USF was not going to lose. You mm -hmm. know that was the mindset we had. We just knew we was like, if we don't win out, we ain't going to where we want to get to. 
Mm-hmm. And I would I would tell that to other guys, like, it's okay. Like, you, everybody, we all want to win every game. But at the end of the day, the people across from y'all is just as competitive, just as good, just as, you know, they're not here for no reason. Right. So, it's, at the end of the day, I, I call it, I say any given Sunday when it comes to the NFL, like, everybody pros, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Same in college, like, these are guys that's fighting to get to the pros. With this new NIL thing that's going on, you would think they're already in the pros. Yeah. Like they get paid. So it's mm-hmm. like they they already they're already doing things that pro athletes already, you know what I'm saying? They're already getting money, they're already fine. But you just want to be able to at the end of the day, you want to be able to win those games that matter at the end of the year. Uh, the football don't start till November anyway, in my mind. PJ, with with uh, with the stars aligning here, so Temple is is trying to get back to to five hundred. That they're playing, you know, they they lost USF last week. They're playing UCF at home, and again, you have so many great memories, so many great plays from your career. And again, like if if you look back at for those of you, obviously for those of you who are listening to this podcast, you're probably a, a dedicated Temple fan. But again, just to recap. Um, 10,273 passing yards, 72 touchdown passes, uh, you know, an all-time leader in those categories and more. Um, but, you know, again, ton of great memories, but that, that UCF drive was really yeah. magical. And so Temple's playing UCF, you know, I'm sure that, you know, Dewan Mathis, you know, the offense and the defense, the coaches would want to win this game and want to want to win it comfortably. But um, I know when, when I had you and Colin on last year on our Al Scoop podcast, you guys took us through that drive, but, what was when you look back on that again it was it was so great it was i mean just precision and and just everything had to come together what what goes through your mind when you think of that drive and how that really that was just as 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 memorable a sequence as i think any anything that you had in your career at temple and just as meaningful yeah. so i didn't i it's crazy because i i think about it now and i always say down to myself if you're in the game you have a chance, you know, mm-hmm. if you can just stay in the game, you have a chance. I didn't play great that game at all, mm-hmm. but I played Don't great. Nobody on offense. No one played on offense. I was, eight, uh, I was eight really for well. 22. I was either eight for 20 or eight for 22 going into that fourth, that fourth mm-hmm. quarter, uh, last minute drive. I think I was eight for 22. And at the end of the day, no one paid that no attention, mm-hmm. you know? So, all I can really think of is we're going to drive this football down the field. Like we don't have a – we don't have no – if we don't, we ain't going to where we want to go to, mm-hmm. you know. But if – in the moment, I'm just out there playing football. Like, it's just another – it's just another set of – not another set of players. It's just a, a bigger situation. Like, let's go win the game, you know. So, for me, it was just – it's all the work that we put in leading up to that, though, like – to start practice off with speed ball, to do all mm-hmm. these different things we used to do, prepared me for that moment. Like I was tired, I was ready, but I was just like, all right, gotta throw, gotta throw one here to Ventel, gotta throw the next one to Ventel. Be down at the 10 yard line now. Next thing you know, it looks <laughs> like I'm calling timeout, but I'm not yeah. alpha, call alpha. <laughs> Only it one person run a route. That's the one guy. Yeah. One person, one person run a route. Kirkwood, he runs a route and I look at look at him and somehow throws in the ball. No one blocks the left side of it. No yeah. one blocks the left end. We oh, go Ray. It was just it was it, when something's meant to be, it's meant to be. At the end of the day, that's how I look at it. It's funny because like you know UCF was playing one high defense and he 
in a two minutes where most of these teams don't play like you know cover two, yeah. Tampa two, three deep safety. They play, you know what I mean? They these play dudes play four one key. Yeah, <laughs> backside one on one. We're just throwing you know glance routes for you know just that gash. Like it just took the first glance route, and literally if you look at the game, you look on the sideline, it's like oh crap! Like okay guys, we got a shot. It was like mm-hmm. we called the same exact play again. They ran the same exact defense. PJ took the wrong footwork. They threw a late glance across the late. Middle. And then, late. Like, no one there. Yeah, no one. And then, Pete, and then you know, Ventel hit his face. And if you watch the tape, you'll see Broderick Yancey pick him up. Mm-hmm. He's walking. I remember that, yeah. And Broderick got him lined up because if Ventel starts moving there, you know what I mean? PJ calls Hut, snaps the ball. And Ventel's moving. He's not ready. That's a penalty. We never throw that to Kirkwood. You know, me and PJ are probably uh, – Hanging out now at the pizza shop, and you know what I mean. He's not in the NFL. <laughs> I'm not doing this podcast if we don't spread that <laughs> But it was a for 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 me of being a former quarterback. It was one of the coolest things I've ever been part of seeing that drive because he just was like, bang, he nailed it, he nailed it. And for a guy to play like he said as poorly as he did, because he did play poorly the entire offense, hey, day, hey, we struggled mightily. But to fight through and really, like you said put yourself in a position to still have a victory and have a chance to win at the end. That's really all it was. And it was really cool to see. And it was fun that, you know, that he was the one that did it. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like he, you know what I mean? It, he was the quarterback of that team. And, and it was like, and I'm, you know, Kirkwood, you have to tell Kirkwood, he had text me back in three texts. I'm kind of disappointed in him, <laughs> but um, it was just, a, it was an extremely, it was, a, it was just something that, like I said, I'll never forget. And I know, no matter all the successes PJ will have, you know, still, still to come. I don't think he'll forget that one for a long time. PJ, this was fun. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for just let me sit in on just the conversation with you and Adam talking about the game. This is, this is great. I, I really appreciate it and uh, appreciate the time. Of course, wish you, wish you the best of luck. We'll be rooting for you. Thank you. I appreciate Thanks, that. P, it was man. good. I'll catch up with you soon, P man. I appreciate your time. And I'm sure the yeah, listeners no problem, will, be bro. will be excited to hear from, uh, the 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 best quarterback in Temple football history, and even though you did have you doubled my yards, but you also had fifteen hundred attempts, and I only had six hundred seventy four. I was say you played like um, two seasons, and I had <laughs> I had forty touchdowns in in those attempts. How many touchdowns did you end with? Seventy two. Um, I would have shared it all your records if I played as long as you. <laughs> Seventy two. Hey, oh man. wait 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 wait. <laughs> we ain't gonna we ain't gonna say like. We're not gonna sit here. Hold on, see, look, you go, look. We ain't gonna sit here act like I threw the ball. I, I, I ran the ball. We bro, we ran the ball ninety times a game. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You did have Sharga and that attack with Rock and and Jihad and them guys. I, you know, I mean, you're right, man. I, I'll give you that, man. But no, we appreciate you, brother, man. I'm no looking forward to following you, and um, we'll get up with you soon. All right, bro. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, bro. Yep. Thanks, PJ. All right. No problem. All right. So a big, big thank you to. To Carolina Panthers quarterback and former Temple quarterback PJ Walker for hopping on with us, um, Adam. It was it was fun just listening to you guys, you know, talk football. It, it's it's obvious, you know, if it, it you know it comes through there just how close you guys are, and even just the just the the interplay there back and forth at the end, and you guys uh, talking about records and and stuff like that. It's just fun to to sit back and and you know talk about the relationship you guys had and all the all the memories that you guys built and um what what do you take from that conversation i mean mean, you know pj really really well and it's it's obvious how much he cares about you and and respects you but you you saw him come in 
uh, as a guy, and he has that same story. Like, you know, he was overlooked by Rutgers. So was Deion Dawkins. So was Jihad. Uh, a lot of those guys that you got from, from Jersey, who have that story. When you see him now with the Panthers in the NFL, I imagine you gotta, you gotta be proud even just sitting, you know, sitting on zoom, obviously we're not in the same room, but just sitting with him and talking to him, I imagine you got to feel proud with how far he's come. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You said the word proud because I probably don't tell him enough. Um, and I'm sure that he's probably not happy where he's at right now. And he's probably not as, you know, I know he wants to, you know, be a starter in the league and, you know, showcase his abilities and show people like who he really is. But, you know, it, it, it brings, you know, just a sense of extreme, me being extremely proud of that kid, man, because like I said, I mean, I feel like our time at Temple, I was like his big brother. Um, you know what I mean? I would set him straight whenever he was acting up. You know what I mean? We would spend a lot of time together in the film room. You know, I got videos on my my phone of like him throwing a touchdown to Adonis Jennings and like me and him jumping and, you know what I mean, side hipping each other or whatever the heck you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, it's just, um, it, it's, it's great to see a kid who works extremely hard, um, you know, kind of get what's coming to him. And, you know, he's earned know all the things that he has right now and so we have a lot of other guys in the nfl that from temple that have that same kind of story so i'm proud of him um his story's absolutely nowhere near finished and i mean she she you know i'm just glad to be a small part of his success and um, i'm just looking forward to you know his continued success both on you know and as like i said as a fiance and you know as a you know as a husband one day and and as a father someday down the line too i'm just proud that you know i'm able to be a, a small part of that definitely Right. So on news that's that's not as good, uh, we'll talk about this current Temple team. And again, I want to ask you your reaction to this, because, again, I mean, you're, you're in such an interesting position. I mean, you are mere weeks, you know, from from being removed from from the staff or a couple months from being involved with the staff. And, and, you know, you know how badly this team wanted to turn things around after everything you guys went through last year, one and six and COVID and all the injuries and, and stopping and starting and all that stuff. So they have a bye week and they come out and, and that happens a, a 34 to 14 loss. And on defense, they allow 526 yards of total offense, 421 rushing yards. Uh, USF wins the, the time of possession battle, 44 minutes and 35 seconds to just, 15 minutes and 25 seconds. I don't know if you ever played in a game where you guys possessed the ball that that little. Uh, and USF's offense runs 94 plays. The offense gets just 34 plays, and they got gutted. They got really gutted. And and, and Will Quinku uh, said at least four times in the post game press conference, "We got our ass kicked," and there's no other way around it. You watch the game. I, I always I want to ask you kind of a two part question here. You know. I want to ask you to kind of evaluate what happened, but also what's it like? I'm sure you got a bunch of people in your ear, like, uh, you know, what are you thinking? You can't like this. You can't love this, but you're, you're watching as an observer and a guy who knows the game, but I'm sure you still feel a lot of pride and a lot of like feeling protective of the team. Yeah. What, what's going through <laughs> your mind when you see them, they come out of the bye week and they get, they get gutted like that. What, what happened? What'd you see? Yeah. It's you, you again, man. I mean, it's, it's extremely difficult for me because I know the amount of work that those kids put in on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on, um, you know, and those guys want to win. Those guys want to be successful. Those guys aren't out there trying to miss tackle. Those guys aren't out there, you know what I mean? Trying to fill the wrong gap. Um, but like, I, 
I was watching the game early on, and you know UCF had some tempo going. I thought the tempo hurt the defense early. They were playing extremely fast, and I thought initially our guys were kind of tired. You know, they weren't allowing us to substitute, so that initially caught my eyes, probably even on that first drive. And then we get to that field goal attempt, and I'm like, okay, you know, we hold the three. This is great. And you know, sometimes in football, John, like, you know, sometimes things kind of just have to go your way. And I felt like for Temple this year. A lot of things haven't gone their way or haven't gone our way. You know, we haven't got that that break or that, you know, the punt that goes through the the the, the, the punter's hands or, you know, a kid catches a, misses a slant and, you know, we catch it and run for 60. I don't think that we've had too many things that kind of just went our way. And then this guy snaps the ball over the field, the holder's head, you know, KP catches it and he's running. And, you know, I'm like, oh, this is it, man. Like, this is the one play that's going to get us you know, get our guys excited, get our guys like, hey, it's our it's our game. This is going to shoot USF down. Then he gets tackled. We run, we run. We're going to holding on Big Vic, who, you know, with his first start. You know, kid works his ass off, and, you know, he slipped, kind of pulled him down, got a hold, yeah. throw back shoulder ball, kind of left it inside, interception. It's like, back to, oh, crap. This is, you know, what, what's going on with us in the past. Like, it went from one extreme high, like, we yeah. had all the momentum. And just shot us back down to like, oh crap! They went on the drive and scored a touchdown. So I think everybody saw the statistics, and I don't think I've ever seen an extreme, you know, amount of statistics that's that you know the differential being that uh, extreme. It's remarkable. We're talking about yeah. time time of possession was ridiculous. Seventy three rushing attempts. Army and Navy. I don't ever remember them doing that. So that's yeah. a defeating thing. You know, if you're talking about like three yards of pop, then you're getting eight yards of pop. The defense is on the field. You're talking they do a little uh, speed sweep. Those things are defeating. It's not like one play, they're going 90, or, you know, two plays for 67 yards. It's, you know, five, eight, ten. Like, you know, we go into the second half, and, you know, we're um, – I'm like, all right, let me check. We got a 10-yard run, a six-yard pass, five-yard run, you know, an incomplete 30-yard run those guys had. You know, I was just trying to just look at the the, the series, and then, they, you know, the guy kicked the 53 yards. So it's not like it's one huge play. It's just – when you're in a game, John, when things are just, they're just, you know, not necessarily dinking and diving because, you know, they were getting, to, there were some gashes, there were some big holes. And, um, when, when, that, when that happens, it's deflating when you're on the sideline as an offense. But when you're, when the defense is out there, you know, those guys are tired. I mean, they were rotating guys. I don't know how many guys played on defense, but, you know, every time I looked, there was a new defensive tackle. There were new, you know, Kobe was in there, Will was in there, George, Jordan, you know, different safeties, guys are fighting through injury. So, you know, I think the, the, the players are, are ticked off the coaches are mad the fans are mad and all three of them should be um because that's not the product that we want to put out on the field and that's not the product that those guys came to temple with, um to put out there and you know it's it again uh, being a coach just <laughs> removed a few months ago it's using the word embarrassing is not what i want to say but i know it's not embarrassing i know they're they are embarrassed though you know what i mean just putting that product out there if you saw what will said but those kids are tough you know, I mean, they'll fight through the the, the, the tough time because there's going to be, you know, sweeter times here soon enough and brighter times soon enough. Um, but it was tough early on. And then, like I said, man, I'm, you know, you see people and just even when I was coaching, you know, I'd see guys on Twitter just after a loss or after, a, um, you know, just, you know, getting beat or whatnot, people are just bashing, you know, whether it be the head guy or the OC or the DC or the players. And then you see it as on Facebook. Now I'm, I'm out of the game essentially, and you see it, and it's kind of like, I mean, it's. I say this because a lot of people want me to be blunt when I'm doing this, but trust me, guys. Like, 
listeners, it's not that easy. You know what I mean? You, you try to put your guys in a position to be successful. And I'm sure that they went back and evaluated and said to themselves, hey, we probably should have made a change to do this earlier or do that earlier. Or, you know, this defense or that offensive play might not have worked. We should have changed or altered some things. I'm sure there's some changes. Like, it's not like they went back to the office and said, scrapped it, didn't talk about it. Like, no, you go back, you evaluate your your process, you evaluate the things, you do your game plan. Like, man, crap, man. Like, this didn't work. We should have made a change earlier. Or this guy didn't do what he was supposed to do. Let's put a new guy in. So it was difficult to see, and it was, you know, tough to watch sometimes for, because just for the purpose of those guys were trying so hard and they were playing so hard. But, you know, I mean, it was just, like I said, six yards, eight yards, nine yards, that type of deal. When you look at, again, it go, like just – getting back on track. And again, like PJ just said, like you, t- you take nothing for granted. No, no teams will push over. Nothing is guaranteed. This is a, this is a UCF team that is, you know, that hasn't, you know, they're, they're not necessarily the UCF of old. I mean, you can't keep it going every season. Dylan Gabriel's out for them. Uh, they haven't won on the road yet, but they'll probably run. They still like running tempo and stuff like that. And for for Temple, one of the things it's really hard to judge the offense off of last week. I mean, they haven't been able to get the run game going, and I know that you see some flashes in Sadie. You can see some flashes in Kyle Dobbins, and you've got some some backs there. And Rayvon Bonner's put some good stuff on film, but you can't do much in 34 plays. And I know that I would imagine they'd like to get that that running game going. You still see what Dewan's capable of. Randall makes a move. Dewan puts a beautiful ball on him for that 70 yard touchdown pass, but they didn't, they didn't really have the chance to get much going. So you, you try to, you know, you try to wash it away and look ahead again, uh, kind of a question I put out to PJ, you guys have been through, you got a temple as a player. You went through the ups and downs where it just seems like, like you said, extreme highs and extreme lows. And we, as reporters will say, how do you how do you bounce back from that? And a lot of times, players and coaches, I get it. They're probably looking at us saying, "Like, what the hell do you want me to say here?" And they're saying, "Like the same thing we always do. We go back to work, and and uh, and we just go back to work and try to correct it." You've been there before as a player, where people are on social media saying this isn't working. They got to scrap this. They got to do that. How do how do you again? You're not far removed from it as a coach. How do you coach these guys up to just blocking out the noise from the outside? Because the noise from the outside is not kind. How do you, how should this team block things out and move on? Like, how, how do you do it? What, how, how would you coach them up on, yeah, on moving cr- forward? It's funny because when, when we would struggle, then we'd have guys that would like, would essentially like delete their social media. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things and a lot of issues. And again, this is me being a former player and me being a coach that, you know, I was pretty much pretty in with mostly, you know, the entire, you know, team. And, you know, I'm, and you see things and, you know, you delete that social media and mm-hmm. that's the outside noise. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you're not going to hear it on campus. You're not you're not going to see a kid on campus and say, hey, DeJuan Mathis, you stink. You're not like they're not going to say that to your face. Like nobody mm-hmm. talks about bad about people to their face. Mm-hmm. That's not at work. So we've had kids yeah. that would delete social media and say, OK, I'm not worried about any of these guys, what they're saying in these interviews. The only people that matter, and I think this is probably what Coach Kerr would say, the only people that matter here are these 150 people at Edinburgh Wilson Hall. And that's what matters. It's not your family. It's not your friends. It's not the fans. It's nobody but these 150 in this room, this facility right now. It's nobody else believes in us. And that's I'm sure that's some of the things that he would he would say. And then if you're talking like like the one, like some of the quotes that he said, like just 
you know, this is the world and social media and everybody else tries to divide us and tell us they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And just have to, you know, have each other's back and come together and stick together from, I think it might've been your buddy Sam might've had that interview probably and he tweeted that out. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what it's about. Like those guys are, when, when bad things happen, somebody has to be the guy, like I said last week, that sticks their hand in that fan and stops the bleeding from happening. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was tough versus USF. But again, like you mentioned, man, I mean, UCF comes to town, they're 0 4. Their coach is talking about how Temple plays better at home. And that's probably one of those deals where, like, a tactic to motivate his guys because obviously they're 0 3 on the road and they're 4 0 at home. So he's probably saying, hey, they play better at home. You know, hey, guys, we have to play better because they stink on the road. So, I mean, if I think at the end of the day, if Temple worries about themselves, and I think that's what the coaching staff's telling them, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the beginning of it. You know what I mean? Well, final question for you to close things out here. And again, I know you weren't a defensive coach, but you know the game, obviously you understand the game. So, I mean, I, and we won't know until, you know, I'm at the link Saturday. We see who's uh, who's suited up for pregame warmups. Um, you know, like Alex Odom and Jalen Ware both played 91 of those 94 snaps on Saturday. You know, Amir uh, is day-to-day. Uh, Keyshawn Paul, and again, I don't know what day-to-day means. It could be, again, I'm not in that. Right. Day-to-day could be he could play this week. He, he might be out. Like when I initially saw him go down with that injury, it didn't look good. So Keyshawn's day-to-day at corner. Amir's day-to-day at safety. MJ Griffin, who's been playing really well, is day-to-day. When when you have that many defensive backs out, and again, ideally, you know, you want – you want your guys making tackles at the first and second level, but those safeties have been having to make a lot of tackles. Again, Dylan Gabriel's not playing. This isn't the the UCF that we've seen in the past, but they've still got speed. They will mm-hmm. still run tempo, and they will still try to run you down. Um, how You know what tempo can do on the offensive side. If you're Rod carrying your Jeff Knowles, how do you prepare that defense this week when you know you might be shorthanded on the back end? You know what UCF does. Uh, how do you prepare for for a team like that? Even if this isn't like the you know the conference championship version of UCF that we've seen, right? Yeah, I mean, again, I wish I had a little more expertise on the defensive end, but I think you have to find a way to get back to the basics, and whether that's you know tackling live at practice or spending more time in indie. You know, I don't know. Again, I don't know how to tackle. I've tackled maybe four guys in my life, John, <laughs> into these listeners. They were all from. You know, I jump on the guy's back after some inter- interceptions were thrown. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was talking to my brother, and I'm like, hey, listen, man, like, why do guys miss tackles? And he's like, well, sometimes guys just don't want to tackle. Like, they don't have the want to, which mm-hmm. if you watch the game, I didn't see one guy that turned down a tackle. Like, I didn't see someone that just said, oh, wait, let me not do it. Let me not be physical. Mm-hmm. You know, like Alex Odom, I wrote down my notes off in the game. Like, Alex Odom and MJ Giffen were flying around the football field. Right. Now – don't get me wrong, were there missed tackles? Yes. But, like, so why do they miss tackles? He's like, angles, right? I'm yeah. sure they're doing some drills with some pursuit angles, some, you know what I mean? Like, these guys, like, UCF was extremely fast. All three of those backs, the, the, even the big guy, like, them guys were fast. Like, like team speed was elite. Mm-hmm. And U, UCF is going to be the same way. The team speed for UCF is elite. Like, if you see our, our game, who was our fastest player? Randall Jones. Who was he right. from? Florida. Florida, like that's elite Florida speed running by elite Florida speed last week. So again, you're talking about missing tackles. You're talking about angles. So I'm, I would venture to say that they're working on some angle tackling. You know, I saw some tackles with their head down. You know, he said, that's another issue. And you can watch the tape. There's some guys tackling with their head down or, or, or lunging. And then sometimes they're just poor body position. So those are the three things that he told me that why guys are missing tackles, why guys miss tackles without watching any tape. 
So again, I'm sure they worked on trying to get back to the basics, the schematics of it. I don't know exactly what UCF is doing. I know they, you know, they still spread their guys out wide and do those kind of things. So it'll be interesting to me if, again, Temple has to find a way to stop the run. How will they do it? What will they change from last week? Because if I'm UCF, I look at USF and I'm saying, these are the five run plays they ran. Guess what? I'm running those five run plays. Temple, find a way to adjust. Coach Knowles, Coach Carey in the game, game, I'm sure they'll be making adjustments because from here on out, whatever USF did in the run game, the rest of the league is going to do. So it's going to be a – it's a game. It's a chess game. You know what I mean? Like once someone sees something, once someone sees a weakness, everybody else is going to try to attack that weakness. So final question for you here, just another one that I thought of. And, uh, again, you know what this program has been through. One and six last year, and the the you the portal is a thing. You, you, you lose guys, you gain guys, but the, the program has been through a lot. And you know the highs and lows of a season. So they're three and four now. They get gutted in a loss like that. You know that team. I know you're not there right now, but you know that team. You know that roster. Rod Carey, you know, created that player leadership council. He he wants them to be like a player led team. Adam, who's in that? Who's at EO this week? Kind of pulling things together from a from a player perspective. Like sometimes people will say, "Oh, it's it's the seniors. It's this guy. It's that guy. It's the single digit guys." But who are the guys in that in that locker room in that facility right now who are, are keeping things together? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, and I know he's a young guy, you would hope that the quarterback has the ear of the team. So you would hope that the one, you know, has the ear of the team. And from what I saw in my time there with him, the way he worked, and a lot of guys like to follow people that work hard. Mm-hmm. So I would I would venture to say that he has uh, the ear of some of the guys. And the things that he was saying, I was really impressed with. Yeah. He handled – he handled – the, the 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 things that people were asking and how they were asking them the right way in the way that professionals should you know being a college quarterback because things can be misconstrued when you're getting interviewed especially when you run 30 something plays on offense and the defense is getting you know what i mean they're getting you know they're getting whooped up on a little bit but again that could easily flip it's flipped already this year the offense has struggled the defense has you know played the offense excuse me the offense has played really well the defense has struggled it could have easily been talked about the offense being poor so i would hope he would be one of the guys i would hope that you know, your two senior receivers on offense, you know, you know, Jaden and, and, and Randall would be part of that. You would hope Will Quinku, Adam Kleins of the world. I think, again, man, I mean, it's a different world because of the transfer portal. You know what I mean? Guys have came, guys have come in, guys have left, leaders have left, new leaders show up. Um, but you just hope that somebody, again, whether like PJ just mentioned, you know, get a little team, get a team meeting together, you know, player-only meeting, which I'm sure they had at some point, and say, hey, guys, this is what we have to do to fix the issue. And, again, I don't know if it's at that tipping point where it's like, hey, man, like, it's now or never type of deal, but that's where it's getting to. Like I said, these next couple of games are extremely important because the schedule's not getting any easier. And, um, you know, they're, they're kind of running out of time, I should, you know what I mean? Um, but, again, you hopefully those senior leaders take their role. And, you know, it could be totally different. I mean, I could be, I could be wrong, and it could be those young guys that are playing a lot of minutes and a lot of time. And, you know, being pretty productive on the defensive side of ball of the ball. So um, I think, again, man, um, if they just come together, figure out the, the small issues that are beating them and find a way to, again, stop the run, I think that's going to be the focal point for those guys. And then on offense, again, man, staying on the football field, 
and you know, being able to produce big plays, and then they got to be able to run the football because that was evident again last week. Even in the short period of time, they didn't have enough uh, yards and you know what I mean per attempt on the football. Well, we'll see if uh, we'll see if Temple can follow Adams' plan for success for them again. The Owls take on UCF uh, Saturday at noon at the Link. Uh, again, big thank you to Adam for being with me and uh, especially big thank you to PJ Walker for uh, spending time with us on the podcast. And thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.